This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Weather Lounge, your favorite go-to podcast about the weather. I'm WeatherWorks meteorologist Mike Mahalik, and we come to you from our headquarters right here in Hackettstown, New Jersey. My co-host Brad is not with me here today, so I am riding solo. So you might see some differences because of that. Maybe you don't get some of Brad's quirky little uh, sayings, but uh, I'm still here. I still have a guest. Uh, and we'll be chatting about the tropics and the above normal Atlantic sea surface temperatures, especially around Florida. They've been running very hot as of late. And also, what does this mean for the rest of hurricane season, uh, especially as we continue to transition to El Nino? So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. We'll have our guest on right after this break. Hey everybody, well how many times have you been burned by a weather forecast? Well, probably a few and it might have cost your business thousands. WeatherWorks is different. We have over 30 meteorologists to give you forecasts, notifications, and weather advice 24-7. Now that could certainly help when it comes down to making those crucial decisions, but there are even more products than that in which WeatherWorks offers, from weather data to historical reports. Call us at 908-850-8600 or visit us on the web at weatherworksinc.com. And oh, don't forget, when you think weather, think WeatherWorks. Hello and welcome back to the Weather Lounge. Again, we're talking about these crazy above normal sea surface temperatures we're seeing in the North Atlantic Basin and what that means for hurricane season. And my guest today will be meteorologist Steve Copertino. He's here um, back since 2001. Is that right, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Joined back in uh, 2001. Um, been focusing mainly on uh, tropic stuff, uh, a lot of uh, hazard mitigation, all that fun stuff. But yeah, great to be back. Um, thanks for having me. And, you know, looking forward to talking about some tropics. Yeah, I want to say uh, tr- the tropics are one of your, I should say, specialties of some sort, I believe, uh, from, you know, talking to you in the past. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, always been a, a interest of mine ever since I was little. So that's going all the way back since Floyd. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, my obsession. Yeah, it's it, it's it's funny. I mean, we all have you know certain storms that might trigger our interest in weather. I mean, mine were mostly winter storms. Maybe yours were mostly on the hurricane side. Um, but even big storms, even though mine were snowstorms, I would say that it still goes back to one of my first memories being like Hugo. I know this is dating me, um, but <laughs> Hugo hitting the Carolinas uh, and then followed by Andrew uh, a few years later. Um, so that kind of stoked my interest more in the weather for sure. Um, um, so it's not only snowstorms that are interesting to me. There's a lot of uh, weather phenomenon for sure. Um, but Steve, I think let's get to the topic at hand here seen some really high sea surface temperatures out there uh, across the Atlantic Basin, um, especially, you know, around Florida. I mean, I'm seeing some temperatures that are in the 90s around the Keys. Uh, I That seems pretty out of this world, honestly. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's been absurd. Um, there have been some buoys uh, off the southwest Florida coast that have clocked in some temperatures around 100, which is just kind of hard to imagine. Uh, 100 degrees? Some, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're challenging some uh, worldwide records, I believe, that were set in like Kuwait or something like that back in the day. But, um, you know, it, it's funny. The good thing about that, there's, there's good and bads. Obviously, the entire Gulf is on fire right now. Um, they're running anywhere from 86 to about 88 degrees, uh, well above um, normal for this time of year. But those very, very high readings uh, near the Keys in southwest Florida, um, they're shallow, which is good for now. They don't extend very, very far down, um, which if, you know, God forbid a system were to pass nearby, um, those temperatures would quickly be kind of uh, washed away and you'd have cooler water from down below kind of take over again. But yeah, um, the entire theme we've really seen over the last several months, uh, basically since spring um, in the Atlantic, um, we've seen, we started off warm. Um, we ended the season warm last year. Um, towards the uh, spring, we had a um, large negative NAO develop, which kind of reduces trade winds across the Atlantic. Um, and it just really let those sea surface temperatures build. Um, and they just kept building. Uh, trade winds remained reduced. Um, I mean, even up to right about now. Um, so we saw a large chunk from about just east of the uh, Puerto Rico and the Lesser Antilles all the way up to about Portugal um, remain well above normal, three, four degrees uh, Celsius in some cases. Um, which would favor a uh, rather active uh, hurricane season. But we also have the caveat of this developing moderate strong Nino right now. So we're in some uh, very interesting uh, waters, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> right now that we really haven't probably did. seen. You know, I got to get a Bradism in a little bit. So, um, yeah, probably haven't <laughs> seen since like the late 1800s. So it, it's an interesting time. It's an interesting time. Wow. I mean, you talk about the shallowness of the warmth and, and how that helps the situation because hurricanes can upwell the cooler water from beneath, uh, churning the ocean up. And, you know, I understand a lot of that. Um, but what gets that water deeper? How does that warmth get deeper? Is it just time um, or something else that is, is at work? Um, I, I mean, at least for, there's the, Near the coast, the waters are a bit more shallow, so it's kind of harder to do that. Later on in the season, you can get it a little bit deeper, but the main area that you'd look for very deep, warm um, sea surface temperatures in the Gulf would be the uh, loop current there. Um, that basically runs from the Caribbean all the way up into the central Gulf. Um, we've heard a lot of talk about that in recent hurricane seasons. It sparked uh, rapid intensification for Hurricane Katrina, uh, Rita, um, Michael, all the big names that you've heard of um, in the last decade or two. Um, but that's the main area. And like I said, the entire Gulf's above normal. We're running uh, where we should be for about September right now. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, it, it's been uh, it, it's been very interesting. These constant heat waves, well, what we're seeing in Texas, you know, what we've seen across Florida with heat indices in the um, 110 to 115 range, you know, crazy stuff. Um, it's just really kind of uh, complicating the whole uh, situation right now. So, yeah, I mean, so obviously with the hot sea surface, we're providing a lot of fuel 
um, for hurricanes because the hurricanes, uh, for those of you out there, hurricanes basically need that warmth from the ocean water in order to fuel the storm to get larger and bigger and, and collect more moisture and, and so on. Um, big process that goes on there. It's like a big heat engine, basically, yes, is what exactly. we like to um, <laughs> compare it to. Um, so right away, you're thinking, oh my gosh, we're going to have these giant storms developing. But one limiting factor, like you said, is that shallow warmth. But another limiting factor could be something to do with the winds across the tropics. Um, so I know, or many of you may know that, um, hurricanes need basically weak shear. We don't want a lot of shear. And what I mean by shear is that, uh, speed with height, basically you're changing speed with height. Um, you're getting faster aloft. If that happens, it blows the thunderstorm tops, um, uh, off the thunder, off the, uh, the eye of the hurricane and just doesn't allow the storm to develop um, as well as it should. Um, so what are we seeing? Are we seeing a lot of shear, little shear? What's happening? What's what's affecting it? Um, so right now, um, I mean, there's been a couple of fronts that have moved through, a couple of disturbances that had a shot to develop. We had some stuff early on in the season, but um, obviously it's very hard to get anything too strong early on in the season. Um, things are just too progressive. Uh, the environment in general is just not too favored. A lot of shear, like you talked about. Um, so for the Gulf, you, you mainly want these systems from the deep tropics coming in. Um, and like I said before, um, shear out in the deep tropics has been unusually low. Um, we've seen two uh, systems, uh, Cape Verde type systems. These come from African easterly waves, which are just tropical waves that move across the entire basin. Um, these have been stronger than normal over the last couple of months, but there's been a very narrow stripe of strong, strong shear um, that's extended from, again, from the islands all the way up to the uh, North Atlantic. So even though those waves are strong, once they run into that shear, they get torn apart. They aren't able to make it to the Caribbean. They aren't able to make it to the Gulf. So nothing's really been able to take advantage of those very, very warm sea surface temperatures, thankfully, um, as this time. But as we do get deeper in the season, I mean, we're still relatively early. Um, it's only early August right about now. So we still have about a month and a half before we're in the peak. Um, but as we roll on into the rest of the season, I would expect um, that shear to kind of relax and move off north. So we should see those uh, tropical waves continue to move uh, westward with time, develop, and potentially get um, into some of those areas that we've been talking about. Yeah, I know, you know, shear has a big part of it. So it's low right now, or you said it's high right now. It's kind of tearing apart the storms. But there's some other things that can affect the storms too. Um, and one of them people might not even think about is the Saharan dust, correct? Yes, correct. That has been a big deal over the last couple of years. Um, I mean, it, it's interesting. As of right now, the Saharan dust... Um, has been uh, below average. Uh, winds over Africa have not really been able to, they haven't been strong. They, you can't really um, get that strong wind blowing over the Sahara. 
and evicting that dust into the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and things have also been a bit more moist than normal, so it just kind of suppresses it as well. Um, but basically what that dust does, it gets into a tropical wave or a tropical storm, what have you. Um, and it kind of just chokes off the storm. It causes thunderstorms to collapse. And with no thunderstorms, you can't strengthen a circulation and just stuff really doesn't develop. Um, and even if you do have a storm develop and you get that dryer to work its way in, once it runs into that shear we were talking about, it just makes it so much easier for it to fall apart. And that's kind of what we've been seeing so far. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. So it's not just that warm water that it has the effects, uh, even though that's a good indicator when we're doing long range forecasts about what the season will be like. There's so many other things that go into whether or not we're going to have a blow number, a blow average number of storms above average, whatever it may be. Um, so it's it's interesting. I mean, Saharan dust is one of those things that I feel like I came across a little bit later in my career as a meteorologist. Uh, Not something you heard much about when I was younger. Yeah, there's been a lot more studies being done on it, um, I'd say over the last, what, 15 years or so. Um, Everyone just used to call it dry air. Um, But it's, it's basically, there were a bunch of studies going on. It's literally dust. It's dust particles. Um, we've seen it blow all the way across the Atlantic into Florida, into Texas sometimes. And people have seen, you know, uh, kind of the sunsets we've seen up here from the smoke, but down there. Yeah. And yeah. Um, by up here, he means the Northeast, basically. Yes, in the Northeast, in the <laughs> Northeast, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, there, there are a ton of factors that go into it. Um, we've also seen another thing that's been important. There are these... Um, rising phases and these sinking phases that go across the globe um a lot recently you know early june we had a nice uh, rising phase which promotes thunderstorm development and uh, we got two tropical storms out of that with the uh, low shear and the warm atlantic out to the east of the islands um, but recently we've seen uh, more of a suppressive phase which uh, kind of keeps thunderstorms down and keeps things weak um, we've we're kind of stuck in that right now and uh, coupled with the shear and uh, just the general early nature of the climo for the season, um, things look to remain generally quiet for at least the next week or uh, 10 days or so. Um, so it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this season plays out. I know there's a lot of uh, forecasts out there that are expecting you know some crazy numbers, but um, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. Um, I think anyone saying uh, with certainty how this year is going to be playing out is, uh, I don't know, kind of kidding themselves a little bit. Since we're on the forecast, uh, we put out a forecast at Weatherworks here. We put out a forecast earlier this year, I believe it was sometime in May, um, where we had a total name storms of 10 to 14. The historical average is around 14. Uh, we had three to seven hurricanes. The historical average is around seven and one to three major hurricanes. Uh, and the historical average is three. So we basically were kind of near normal, leaning a little bit below normal um, in that aspect. Um, I'm not sure how many name storms we have so far. Um, I don't know if you have that off the top of your head. Um, but I know there's been a few, you mentioned a few earlier in the season. 
Yeah, we're actually on the uh, D name right now, so that's our fourth storm. And there was one unnamed storm uh, before that, so technically um, five. So okay, so you know we're heading into August. It seems like we're pretty much on par with our forecast. Uh, we had two to three named storms in June and July. Um, we just got into August here, and we're at about four. So it seems like uh, we're we're kind of on target. Where are we going from here? Are we going to still be on that target? Are we favoring the lower side, the higher side? What What do you think here, Steve? I, I think it's all really going to depend on how we see things evolve by the middle of August. Um, if we head into the middle of August and um, you know there really isn't much of a signal for things to really pick up, then we're probably going to end up right around normal. Um, I could see us... Um, there's a different metric uh, to kind of measure the activity in a season. That's called um, accumulated cycle and energy, or ACE uh, for short. Basically, just um, the longer a storm survives, the more points, uh, the stronger it is, the more points you get. Um, if we if we're favoring more of a trek uh, from the deep tropics out um, into the over open Atlantic, um, shear is probably going to be higher than normal. Um, in the Caribbean and possibly the Gulf as well, given the El Nino conditions. But um, like I said, w- once we get into about mid-August, I expect things to pick up. If they don't really pick up, um, then this should be a shorter season. Um, El Nino seasons typically shut down late uh, September, early October. So that's when she would really, really start to kick in. But uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, if we see a quick burst of activity, then that's kind of um, a harbinger of a, potentially a more active season. We might head into above normal, but I don't think it's going to be anything too horrible, hopefully. But we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, it wouldn't seem uh, to be that way, especially since you now brought up the El Nino, which we haven't talked about a lot yet, um, which is... Coming on to a, a pretty robust uh, El Nino event, is that right? Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It is. Um, it, it slowed recently with this um, development. Um, there were some early indications that it might come on really strong and reach a super Nino status, which is what, something we saw back in uh, 2015, 2016. Um, that would essentially just shut down the season immediately with all the shear and uh, dry air and just a ton of unfavorable conditions, but it's been uh, very, very steadily progressing over the last uh, several weeks. I believe we're in a solid moderate uh, territory right now. Um, again, um, it should continue maturing throughout the rest of the hurricane season here. And by the time we get into the fall, um, it, it should be right around its peak. So, um, you know, not not only uh, hurricane considerations, but we'll start be uh, getting into uh, some winter considerations as well by then. It's always amazing to me how something that's happening somewhere else in the globe can affect some the other side of the globe, basically. So you have the El Nino happening in the equatorial Pacific, but it has a profound effect on the Atlantic Ocean tropical activity. Um, because of all the the shear it creates, um, which I always uh, find amazing that it can do something like that. But it's just I don't know. It's it's kind of mind blowing. <laughs> I'm trying to find a word of of how that can impact things, um, and even the placement of it. 
uh, can have different effects, whether it's an east-based thing closer to South America and Central America, or it's more in the middle of the Pacific, um, out towards the Dateline. Um, that can have profound impact, impacts on the winter, too. Um, I don't know if you have any inclining. inclining <laughs> I'm trying. I can't say this word right now. <laughs> it's all good. It's on, all good. Uh, we know what you mean. On what the winter might be holding here because of that. Um, I'm hearing thing maybe not so much east-based is what I'm kind of hearing. Um, I, I know we have our uh, meteorologist Kyle, uh, Kyle Leahy, um, who uh, has talked about that in the past. But yeah, I mean, going back to what you said, the Nino stuff, it, the way I look at it is like throwing a, or just teleconnections in general, just you look somewhere else in the world for what might happen here on the East Coast. It's like throwing a pebble in a stream and then you'll have ripples that work all the way down and you can kind of hopefully um, do your best guess to predict what might happen. But with the Nino right now, it's very concentrated near the coast of South America. Um, with time, you'd expect that to kind of slosh over to the West, uh, more so towards Hawaii and the International Dateline. Um, if that happens, um, we could be in for an interesting winter. Um, it's, it's obviously too far out to tell right now. There are some models, there are some indications that things could be um, interesting. Um, I'll put it that, that for now as a little you know, uh, teaser, but... Um, something that we've also seen with the sea surface temperatures that might make the forecast a little bit more complex, uh, recently right, uh, off the coast of New England and just south of like Newfoundland, that area, sea surface temperatures have absolutely shot up uh, about five degrees Celsius in the last month. Um, there's been a persistent, uh, area of ridging or blocking high pressure, what have you. Um, that's just kind of kept those, um, it's it almost have a, a feedback loop at this point. Um, the warm water support higher heights, so we have some blocking. And blocking should sound familiar for winter forecasts because that's what we kind of look for for an active pattern in the winter. So we'll have to see if that sticks around um, later into the year and then potentially in the winter. Um, I don't know if anybody's reading between the lines right now, but I know where Steve's going <laughs> with this. I'm trying to dance around it. But yeah, yeah. No, you're not <laughs> dancing around, around it with me. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to have a lot more detail on that coming up actually relatively soon here in the next um, next two weeks, we're going to be having our first in the series of three uh, winter previews that we develop. And basically that first winter preview um, will be laying the groundwork of what we're looking at. And kind of like what Steve was talking about here, you know, talking about, you know, what's going on with El Nino, um, what the North Atlantic waters are doing, um, you know, those type of big major pattern drivers is what we like to talk about. Um, and then try to come up with a semblance of what that pattern overall might look like for the season. Um, so that'll be our first of the winter previews. So um, you'll be seeing more about that in a couple of weeks, if I could tease that a little bit more. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, it's it's crazy that that's already coming up. I feel like just the other day, um, winter ended and 
you know, we got got into the spring months, got into the green season, all of our clients, you know, getting going with their landscaping jobs and lawn care jobs and paving and roofing and everything else. And now here we're already talking about winter. It's crazy. Um, it goes fast. It goes but, fast. Um, but it's interesting that you talked about the waters off the coast of New England um, warming up. Do you see that causing an issue if we do get a storm um, to develop um, that it doesn't because typically they like to weaken as it heads towards the northeast. Um, you know, they they usually recurve out to sea. But if it has a more inland track, if the waters are warmer, it doesn't really weaken as much with the cool northeast waters, how they usually are cool, I should say. Um, now they're warmer. So any impacts in that aspect you see? Um, I think there are a few. Um, like I said, the high pressure or ridging near Newfoundland might uh, support more of a pattern for storms. It's it's going to be tricky. We need storms to develop in the right place. Um, if we were seeing a lot of storms develop more so in the Caribbean, uh, we've seen a large trough um, or areas of low pressure uh, kind of swing through the Ohio Valley and northeast. Um, if that were continuing, we were seeing storms more so in the Caribbean. Yeah, I would be pretty concerned because that pattern would kind of just suck them out of the Caribbean and kind of into the um, northeast. Um, but as we head deeper into the season, um, it, it's certainly something to keep an eye out. I would favor uh, the east coast. Um, and like you said, I see surface temperatures um, basically from the east coast of Florida all the way up to the Gulf Stream at about 40 north are running two to three degrees above normal. So uh, it potentially, yeah, it could help a storm hold on to um, a, a stronger strength. Yeah. Um, all the way to the coast. If, you know, God forbid that were to happen, but um, certainly something to keep an eye on. It's just, uh, it's just another potential. These warm waters have such an impact basically um, that there's just so many things to be on guard about. And uh, like we were saying, you know, we're favoring some long track storms. Um, and unfortunately with that, it gets a little bit complex. It depends on the pattern out to the West and how things are evolving. So, but we'll have a ton of, or hopefully a plenty of lead time and time to watch something if something were to develop like that. Yeah. I'm hoping that at least for us in the Northeast, even though those waters are warm, and even though there's that potential that it could hold its strength a little bit greater than usual, um, that, um, it's also been fairly trophy in, in, in the Northeast. So like you said, if it's based a little bit further West over the Great Lakes, then maybe it can bring the storm up. But however, if it's more over the Northeast, that might kind of just recurve that storm out to sea. Um, so we don't want to alarm anybody. Um, but it is just, it is interesting that we do have that warm in the normal water there. Um, you know, that could, affect the storms a bit and speaking of that i wonder what the jersey shore water temperatures are do you happen to know that off the top of your head because man it'd be nice to hit a little beach trip here <laughs> <laughs> i i mean i can tell you i went down to uh, a seaside not too long ago um they they were a little chilly going in oh but, wow um i i mean once you got used to it it really wasn't that bad uh let's just take a quick look here so it's 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 crazy to me that those water temperatures are in the 90s down in yeah. south florida 
Um, yeah. Because typically, if you go to the New Jersey shoreline, you, you're lucky if you're hitting 70 degrees. Oh, <laughs> it yeah. Seems oh, like. yeah. No. <laughs> um, uh, every time I've gone down, it's been so cold in there. Uh, even most recently, I think it was a year or so ago, I went down and, and my uh, daughter was collecting seashells the whole time in the ocean. And I'm like, how are you alive? Like, I would have came out shivering a long time ago, but she was really uh, persistent about it. So, I mean, basically from Cape May to about Wildwood, it's, you know, low, mid-70s-ish. But once you get near, like, the uh, inland or the inlet areas, um, I mean, you're pushing some mid-70s spots, maybe even a little bit warmer. So, um it's warm. I mean, you know, everyone in the Northeast knows we've had a very, very warm uh, couple of weeks here, very humid. So, you know, that adds to it. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a warm one so far. So we'll see how things go. Hopefully we get a little bit of a break now. I know we're in one rent now, but we'll see yeah. if it lasts. Yeah, well, hopefully we don't get a tropical system entering the gulf anytime soon because especially with the trophiness that we're seeing over the uh great lakes that will certainly um tend to bring that storm a little bit further north rather than it you know heading south or dissipating um so i I really really don't want to get a storm in there yeah no i mean the gulf the gulf has had enough in the last uh what since 2017 they've they've had a number of storms impact the gulf coast we had harvey laura ida michael uh ian last year it would be everyone would be fine if we uh, just took a break from that for a couple of years so yeah i i I, like you said before it's just torching down there so I, i would not want a storm getting in there um, uh, you know, one, one last thing I was thinking about too, um, with the trophiness, uh, is there potential for that, uh, development a little bit closer to home rather than coming off of Africa, watching a wave long track, you know, are we going to get a front that stalls out as it moves through the Southeast and just basically, stalls out as we get into the gulf i i guess that would be a concern of mine but i don't know um you're looking at that more than i am i'm more in the uh, five-day uh, forecast <laughs> realm uh up in new england and not really um broad pattern that that's a great question um yeah i would say that's something something to certainly keep an eye on a lot of that goes or flies kind of under the radar just because people are so concerned with what's happening out in the deep tropics but um yeah you get a front hung up um off the southeast coast or a stalled front in the gulf um give it time to you know kind of marinate and with those sea surface temperatures um sometimes you get a low level circulation develop very quickly some thunderstorms um develop and then you know in a day um you can get a a hurricane or a tropical storm we've seen that uh, a couple of times in the last several years um a good one was um, I believe it was Umberto back in 2007, I want to say, um, just rapidly strengthened, no real model guidance or anything like that. And just something you have to keep an eye out for. And 
I mean, there are some indications that we might see a front get hung up off the uh, southeast coast in the next week or so, but um, those things are very fickle. It's hard to pick, uh, pick out uh, too far out in advance, but uh, Thinking yeah. Thinking about launch. It, yeah, not pickled. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, yeah, there's lots of things to keep an eye on besides the uh, you know typical tropical wave actions, so. Um, definitely a good point. Well, I suppose the the pro to a situation like that is typically they the storms don't have a whole lot of time to strengthen into major hurricanes or anything like that. I suppose the downside would then be is just the heavy rainfall that's associated with any type of tropical system. Um, yeah, yeah, th- those tend to be more of a uh, rain threat, like you said. Um, usually, don't get too strong. Maybe a couple get a little bit strong, uh, more than a cat one, but the lead time is kind of the issue there too. So, so Steve, we talked a lot about um, how the sea surface temperatures are affecting the hurricanes, but what other type of impacts could those high sea f- surface temperatures have? Um, I'm thinking like wildlife, fish, stuff like that. Right. So... One of the things um, that we also look at, I mean, not meteorologists, but... Uh, <laughs> I know, this is kind of not quite in the yeah, meteorology Yeah, this is kind of getting off the weather. I mean, it, it's it's weather impacting, um, you know, other areas. But, um, you know, just a lot of the coral reef um, uh, kind of barriers down in the uh, Caribbean. Um, obviously, that's also an issue down... Uh, in the uh, southern hemisphere in australia but those very warm um sea surface temperatures uh will bleach or kind of kill off the uh coral reefs um which are a large uh habitat home spot for a a wide variety of sea life um, which obviously is not a good thing um so these prolonged periods of extreme heat uh certainly not a great thing um and it's it's really kind of unfortunate to see uh play out I, this is you know this isn't the first time we've seen a, above normal temperatures but it's certainly the first time in a while we've seen extremely above normal temperatures like this well there's your uh, ecological corner of the discussion uh, <laughs> uh even though we're meteorologists you know we still uh, keep in tune with some of those other impacts that could happen um but i think uh steve let's just wrap it up for everybody real quick um, let's talk, let's just, what are we looking here for the rest of the season, um, in the tropics? Um, we talked about it a lot during the show, but let's just kind of put it in a nutshell if we can. Right. Right. Um, so as of right now, I mean, things should stay quiet. Um, not really expecting a whole lot of deep tropical, you know, strong storms over the next, uh, week or two, I'd say about mid August or so. Um, after that, there looks to be some changes. We should see shear relax a little bit. We're going to be starting to enter more of a climatologically favorable period. Um, should see stronger waves roll off of Africa, have a chance to develop. Um, but the big wild card is going to be where they track. Um, if they're tracking more off to the north and east of the islands, they have a better shot to get stronger and, uh, more, uh, have a potential threat to land down the road, but uh, more of a track into the Caribbean might encounter some shear, um, but uh, it's really going to depend on uh, how things progress through the middle of the month. Um, If we see a steady burst of activity through the middle of the month into September, we'll be headed towards a solidly above season. 
But if we just kind of have a few storms through mid to late August, then we're going to be pretty much um, on track for our forecast of right around average. Right. And uh, I think uh, our forecast uh, with the 10 to 14 named storms, probably still holding with that um, from what I'm hearing for the most part. For the most part, for the most part, um, I don't see anything too major to change at this point. Maybe up a couple of storms. Um, you might get some random storms out in the North Atlantic, like we were talking about. See, surface temperatures are warm everywhere, so you can get a couple hybrids that just kind of tack on some names. But um, in the general flow of things, it, it should wind up to be around an average, slightly above average year in spots. Um, again, favoring some long track storms. Um, depends, you know, on the exact steering, whether or not they pose a threat to land, but overall reduced activity in the Caribbean, hopefully reduced activity in the Gulf, um, might get some frontal boundary stuff, but again, hopefully shouldn't be anything too crazy intense, more so rainmakers. Right. Okay. And then of course we talked about the El Nino coming up, um, as we head into the fall and when, well, it already is, um, but that should have an impact on the season where uh, things shut down um, a little bit quicker than normally this year, correct? Exactly, exactly. Compared to a La Nina year, a La Nina year can pretty much um, go into late October, November. But with an El Nino, that year really kicks up uh, late September into early mid-October so. Um, uh, if this year behaves like a typical Nino, uh, we should see things cut off pretty quickly um, after our uh, peak climatological point here in uh, the middle of September. Right. And that's pretty much reflected in our numbers that we shared with everybody earlier. We had an earlier blog about the summer and tropical forecast. You can find that at weatherworksinc.com um, if you'd like to read that original forecast. But uh, we had a graphic in there that did have October, November, only seeing about one or two named storms. So we were already keying then on the activity winding down a little bit quicker than normal. And anything really during that time frame should uh, climb. Uh, Climo typically favors that to shift back towards uh, the Caribbean and the Gulf. But the uh, one caveat with that is um, by the time we get into that time period, um, shear is already getting high over the uh, continental United States. So even if you did have something uh, potentially de developed down in the Caribbean, by the time it gets to the coast, um, it's going to be running into a lot of shear typically. So it it's probably going to be losing steam. But again, you know, we'll see how things play out. All right, great. And um, of course, you know, we're watching that warm water close to the coast. That could help storms keep intensity a little bit if we do have one that comes into landfall so something that we are watching but not necessarily thinking that this is a big red flag oh my gosh we're going to have a major hurricane running into you know long island or something like that no right. we're not saying that <laughs> no um but we're just saying we need to watch that if we do have a storm that's developing and it tracks towards land it might be able to hold its intensity a little bit longer Exactly. Exactly. Just something to keep an eye on. Yeah. No reason for alarm right now. Just, you know, uh, monitor how things develop and, uh, you know, we'll be sure to keep you guys updated if there really is something that we need to keep a lookout for. 
Absolutely. And we'll always have information on our Facebook and Twitter uh, pages uh, if we do have a storm that's causing um, some alarm in the community. We'll, we'll definitely have some information on that storm uh, and also in our blogs, too, at weatherworksinc.com. Once again, um, you can certainly find those. And of course, we'll have more information on the winter as we're <laughs> going through August and heading in September. Our uh, long range team is really starting to look at that stuff because we all know how important the winter is to a lot of people. But um, Steve, I really do appreciate you coming on the uh, show here today. Um, thanks for all your information. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a ton of fun, ton of fun. Always good to be back. All right. Well, we'll have to have you on again, that's for sure. Maybe once we get closer to winter, um, maybe we could have a, a team of a few guys come in and talk about the winter season. I'm sure we will do a podcast about the winter outlook. Um, you likely in late October, I would say. Um, so don't expect a full winter outlook from us anytime <laughs> soon. But we are... Uh, getting the wheels turning uh, on those forecasts. And I'm sure we're probably going to see a little bit more snow uh, along the I-95 corridor uh, in the Northeast compared to last year, at least. I, I um, mean, that it would be hard to see less snow than uh, yeah, uh, last two, year. Two years of uh, <laughs> meager snowfall, I don't think, uh, is in the card. So there should be a little bit of an uptick if I want to uh, – put a little bit of tease in there but there's hope there's we don't hope. yes exactly and we don't want to say too much at this at this point in time but uh we'll have all that information later but anyway steve thanks for being with us um, absolutely absolutely so that is the weather lounge podcast for this week thank you for everybody for listening remember to rate our show we want to see those high rankings um to put us up there in the search queue when people are searching for weather podcasts which hey this is the one you need to see or need to listen to i should say but also find weatherworks uh, our parent company on any social media channels out there facebook twitter uh, what have you. And as always, visit weatherworksinc.com for latest we have with Weatherworks. So thanks again, and we'll see you again in another two weeks.